0: Welcome to another bonus episode of the Pandora podcast as we seek to get you through from the end of season two to the beginning of season three, launching on January 3rd, 2022. As always, your hosts, Curtis Grace, Luke Coffee, and today we're going to talk to you about what was it like to live on a combat outpost on deployment in 2012.
1: Indeed, I think, uh, you know. We we got lucky at Sperling Gar specifically, which we've talked about ad nauseum a little bit in the in the episodes. So yeah, we've definitely um, beaten that horse. Yeah, so I mean, just to be uh, so just to summarize it, going in, we we were expecting the worst. When we got there, the living conditions on Gar were pretty damn good, comparatively speaking. And the rest of the the cops in the area were just what we expected, which is cots and tents. But we had hard structures and AC and wonderful things like that.
0: And, you know, this discussion, I want to keep it – I mean, yeah, we can talk a little bit more specific about sperm, but it's just deployments in general. Just the, you know, the, what, the deployment vibe. What's it like to be on deployment? Yeah. Um, and well, there's, there's a lot of things that are consistent. Like, you yeah. know, with some exceptions, you're probably going to have some sort of building. It may not be a hard stand building. Uh, it might be a bunch of plywood. It could be a tent um it could be a concrete building like we were in, and you know it kind of depends on what your job is and where you're at. If you had a combat outpost it's gonna be pretty rugged if you're on Kandahar airfield, it might be a container, it might be like one of those storage containers that's been built out as a living module
1: you know which I lived in in Iraq and was not bad, not a bad setup at all
0: yeah, you know and, and yeah. I lived in prefat like in um I spent a couple weeks in one of those as we were moving in between bases uh. I've lived in what they call bee huts, which is basically, like I said, just um, plywood buildings, Mm -hmm. you know, no insulation or anything like that. It's just, you know, plywood, put 10 rooms in it. You got maybe, you know, 150 square feet to yourself. And, hey, you were happy that you had something
1: to yourself. Something to yourself. Right. Yeah. So I think that's probably the defining characteristic of military life in general is that you're packing on top of each other all the time. You know, you live, sleep, eat shit and breathe on top of each other. And so, in uh, the infantry, especially, yeah. that is the case. Uh, quite literally, nut to butt sometimes. So, but but you know, depending on that situation, that's uh, volatile. Or sometimes it works pretty good, and I feel and like I generally it my works it worked pretty good. good. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, in, unless you and be clear, unless you're like a senior NCO or an officer, the likelihood of you ever having a room to yourself on a deployment is pretty much zero. Yeah. It's just, it's just not realistic. And even if you're an officer, you probably have to be a senior officer. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, our, our lieutenants didn't have rooms themselves. They shared the room with their platoon sergeant. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Especially out in combat outposts and out in smaller fobs and stuff like that. There's just so much room for so many people. So you gotta pack them in. Yeah, you pack
0: them. And, and you know, we had it pretty decent at Spur one car, you know, about four people in a room on average.
1: Yeah, I think the, the absolute most we ever had in our room, which could have seated, there could have been eight guys in there.
0: Mm-hmm. At one and point we did have eight. We had, at one point we did have eight, but I think yeah. that was very briefly lived,
1: very brief at the very end. But we were kind of the we were kind of the the overflow room too, because we had a couple cuts that were always you know, they were open. And uh, so we catch the random colonel or whatever that was there for the night, It the sergeant major, or whoever come down. That but that didn't happen a whole lot for us. No, but you're,
0: I, did, I forgot about that. That did happen from time to time. Yeah, every uh, once in a while we catch yeah. the
1: some PSD team that was staying there overnight or something like that would bunk in that room. But yeah, it was, it wasn't it was pretty very common. Yeah, it was
0: pretty rare. And but I mean, the thing was, you know, by October, like so many people had been knocked out of our room by mm-hmm. <laughs> earning their purple hearts. Um, I, I actually remember it's it's kind of on topic, you know, when the day that Perez got hit and it was just you and me and left you. in the room, I was like, We cannot live with just two people in a room. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, there were there was way too many demons at that time to there always had to be somebody else in the room. And if there's only two people living in the room, somebody's gonna be by themselves at some point.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. It was kind of made for an eerie feeling, which we talked it, about a little bit yeah, on the podcast. But Even just across the cup, like the numbers start to dwindle and you know it's next thing you know you're walking down the hallway and you don't run into anybody on, on the way to the mwr that's kind of a weird sensation oh too. yeah yeah it's a, it's a good one you go to the MWR, and there's, there's computers there. open yeah oh yeah yeah and this can be yeah you,
0: yeah It got a lot of use. you never had to wait for computers in november in smart guard <laughs> yeah, well there was two that. reasons for that and this is an this is another interesting deployment uh lifestyle observation mm-hmm. we had wi-fi at the end of the deployment we did I don't, yeah,
1: I don't remember that.
0: Oh yeah, we had Wi-Fi. Hmm. They installed Wi-Fi at Camps How did
1: you not you you? you uh, had didn't then you have to like pay for it? You had to pay for it. Yes. Okay, I didn't. So I didn't pay for it.
0: Yeah, you had to pay for it. Okay. Um, which is something that's you know when I went back in seventeen, it was just that was just normal. You there was Wi-Fi everywhere. There was Wi-Fi on Bagram. There was Wi-Fi at all the bases. You just paid for it. It was exorbitantly expensive, and mm-hmm. it was definitely monitored by the Iranian government. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that, like it even uh you know in 2017 in like rural freaking uh coast like mm-hmm. I was I was pirating movies left and right it was good enough it, it did <laughs> it did what I needed it to do
1: I never sprung for it because of the cost and uh, it was so close to the end that I just went to the MWR and actually when Wi-Fi got installed the, the MWR was always open so exactly. I just go in there and hang out that so was, was the other like a yeah. A way to get away from, you know, change of scenery and my laptop was shitty and choking to death on dust. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right. Everything that's right. like that. Yeah, that's right. Which
1: leads into, you know, the internet is a weird thing for our our conflict and that you didn't have to wait six weeks for a letter to get home or whatever. Like, it was constant daily communication with people um, for both yeah, and that's, deployments.
0: And I feel like our 2012 deployment was kind of like at that transition point, mm-hmm. you know, You know, we still got you know packages are always a thing. So mail is such a huge thing to soldiers on deployment, whether they're at a combat outpost or on a fob. Mail call is the best day ever, because just don't
1: send toothbrushes.
0: I don't care what she sent. It's nice to get anything, (laughs) you know, especially if you ordered it yourself. So you you know, when we went in 2012, Amazon was pretty new. But it Mm -hmm. was established enough that, like, we're like, hey, you can order things off Amazon and ship it to Afghanistan? Holy fuck. Once we realized that, dudes were having stuff shipped to them all the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was, like, the first evolution of, like, e-commerce and deployment kind of coming together. Because in the past, Mm -hmm. like, you'd have to have your folks package stuff up in packages and send them to you. It was the only way you could get something from stateside, but this idea that you could order something online and they would ship it and it would get to you. It was just, get was it was mind-blowing. it to the APO,
1: yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was in Iraq, I had, if I bought like a book or something, I had to ship it to my mom first, then she would have to ship it right. to the APO from there. I, didn't, I don't think I've ever, I didn't order anything online. I don't know, I can't remember. That's it's, Maybe this isn't a good topic for me because my memory is always shit when it comes to these details, but. Because you suppressed it.
0: Well, the thing, thing is like in, in 2017, that was a significant part of what I packed and what I didn't pack. Yeah. When I went, I was like, well, there's some stuff I'll bring with me because I'm going to want it. But other stuff, I'll just order it when I get there because it's going to take mm. two weeks to get there and then I don't have to worry about packing it and I'll just leave it there. Yeah. So like mattresses, pillows, stuff like that. I, di- I didn't need that. Um, yeah. You know, I could, I could use it while I was there and toss it in a dumpster my way out the door and never have to pack it.
1: Yeah, that's good. Good point. I mean, that works for deploying. Makes sense. Um, I think in, uh, one of the big things on the topic of internet and one thing about having internet on deployment is how much time you spend on it. So if there's one thing that is, uh, is something that people don't think about, at least the, until you've actually deployed, is how much fucking time you have to burn. Like, you have your, I think that your missions on your, your individual experience. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had, but we had a lot of time. I mean, if you go on like a 10 hour patrol and you come back, you still got 14 hours left in that day. Well, eight <laughs> until the next patrol.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a really good point. I mean, even when you're busy, there's always downtime. And they have to work downtime in. Yeah. Um, And there's, it's it's weird. I'm like not really, talking
1: it, like having, a, like days on end. I'm talking having an eight hour gap of time to spend. To spend, so if we're getting briefed for a mission at ten and we don't roll out till midnight, well, other than your PCCs and PCIs and grab a chow, you've got 12 hours to burn, you know. So what do you do? You watch a lot of movies and you watch, watch TV shows. Watch a lot shows of movies. And TV stick shows. around with your buddies and play video games and. But well, I mean, <laughs> the deployment movie is a staple. Like I don't know how many hundreds of movies I watched on friggin deployment.
0: Yeah and and that's you know the the movie thing is kind of an interesting thing cuz it's this is the the hard drive you know the deployment yeah. hard drive this predates the internet where you could stream or yeah. you know, easily download things yourselves it's like hey before we go on the deployment you got you had that one buddy who was like a you know a ninja <laughs> and he downloaded every possible movie in existence onto a hard drive yeah and then you know it was kind of your responsibility to like hey you better contribute something to the collection so everybody had to have something. And if you didn't, you were kind of a leech, but no one really cared. Like Luke mm-hmm. didn't contribute anything. He just siphoned Definitely off everybody not. else's hard drive.
1: Mostly because I d- couldn't figure out how to get my internet to do things like that. Because I'm, like, right. I'm technically literate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, technically literate, but I'm not tech literate, I should say. <laughs> fair enough. I can read. I just can't computer.
0: Right. So like this, these hard drives would float around. So as soon as somebody found out you had a hard drive that had movies that they didn't have, they wanted to borrow your hard drive to download the movies that you had onto their computer so that they could watch them. Um, You can obviously see that this presents the obvious uh, problem in that, Mm -hmm. you know, just like an STD travels through an infantry platoon, (laughs) uh, (laughs) a different kind of virus
1: travels through the platoon on deployment, and that's the computer virus. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Wilkins. Not for the STDs, but for the computer virus.
0: (laughs) Thanks for both. (laughs) <laughs>
1: um
0: <laughs> but no i mean like all the time people's computers would be dying i know people that ordered computers on deployment because uh a hard drive like killed their computer mm-hmm. like i used a mac so i was safe um but like a lot of people <laughs> ran into
1: that <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that was a very consistent problem yeah and uh but, yeah, you spend so much time watching stuff because you're too tired to, like, read. Like, I read – I always read a fair amount. I read a lot more in Iraq because I pulled a lot more guard in Iraq. <clears throat> I mean, I was definitely constantly on guard, scanning my sector 24-7 yeah, sure. when, yeah. I was on, when I was on guard. But during those random times where I maybe wasn't paying as much attention, I definitely read a lot of books. But in Afghanistan, where we didn't pull guard, and, of course, I, I will say if I was on guard in Afghanistan, I'd probably be a little bit more perked up and paying a lot more attention than I was in, in Iraq. But, sure. Um you know, we did we only we basically didn't pull guard, so we had a lot more downtime uh in that regard. Yeah, and so but you're so tired that you don't want to read. So you don't, don't want really con- to contribute well. mental
0: effort. Uh um, yeah. and you know, and we we had it so good. I mean, not just because it was sperm guard, but because it was late in deployments. Yeah. You know, there was infrastructure, there was electricity, yeah. there were You know, there was Amazon, you could, you would showers, you could bring a TV. We had big screen TVs in some of these rooms that people had ordered on the internet, like or brought from other units and stuff like that. So people were playing Skyrim and they were watching Mm. some of the newest movies in the MWR. Like, war is hell, right? It's, we say it (laughs) sarcastically. We had it pretty good. But then you we look did. back, you know, even just a few years before. So like I saw a picture. Actually I Actually, think it was Mad Hatter shared it or somebody shared it. Oh, no, it was like it was um memories of Kandahar, and it was a okay. picture of some uh, Canadians chilling in like one of their foxholes. And he had a portable DVD player, yeah. and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" I forgot about portable DVD players, but that was a. I bet you from. 2002 yeah. to 2008 that was a deployment staple. Yeah. You had yeah, to have definitely. a portable DVD player and you had to have that big book of DVDs.
1: Yeah, the big big so, stack.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so and then that evolves into the deployment hard drive, which mm-hmm. then evolves into having internet access and being able to stream.
1: Um it's pretty wild to think about like this year this war saw the rise of the internet, you know, because yeah. in 2001, I mean, we had, I think we had dial up in 2001, you mm-hmm. know, maybe. We, there, I had broadband in 2001. See, so We didn't have broadband until, of course, I, I live out in the country, so that right. made a difference. Yeah. We didn't have broadband until I was in high school. Um, but uh, just having like slow ass internet, in, in rural Kentucky, so mm-hmm. in the middle of Iraq or Afghanistan, where no infrastructure was in place and things like that. Those dudes actually had to go through a real deployment instead of eating right. fucking KFC and, you know, going to the MWR shooting pool.
0: Well, I was, I was, I can't remember who, I think it was, um, uh, the guy that runs patrol base Abbott and, uh, uh, oh, kill zone. He, and he's a, he's a, he's a Marine officer. He runs some really good accounts. He's also a published author and he was talking yeah. about the difference he saw in his men when he went on one deployment before they had regular internet access with the MWR and the Mm. next deployment where it was pretty common to have internet access. Mm. And he said, before the internet access, they spent a lot more time together, you know, you know, talking shit, telling war stories, kind of dealing with their trauma a little bit. Then like a more of a group setting, wrestling, like playing games together. He said, mm-hmm. as the access to internet kind of continued on through his career, he's, he knows people spent a lot less time, uh, a lot more time alone and a lot less time in, in groups, and I thought that was a pretty astute observation.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely alone, right? I mean, I feel like we, we still played fuck-fuck games and we're infantry pros a lot, you know? like Yeah, but how we, much, we hung you know, out but it was always
0: until they that. went to the MWR, you know? It's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to yeah. the MWR now. And then you have, like, yeah. you know, 15 people in the MWR on the computer talking back home, and
1: yeah i, I mean know. imagine I if mean,
0: mwr wasn't an option there was no way to get on the internet the only way you were ever going to communicate back home was a letter i mean we were only yeah. three or four years away from what when that was a reality
1: yeah yeah i mean um i mean it was the same thing in iraq but you know we we had more of a communal space in iraq but we didn't really have that in afghanistan as much we had like a central at least for one place that we lived Actually, I know, I take that back. It was the same way in Iraq. Everybody was pretty pretty much doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like like I feel like for us, um, I definitely feel like we got to know each other really well in spite of that isolation. You know, we still, we still spent a lot of time together. <laughs> well, I mean, and like
0: it goes back to when we're talking about the living quarters. You know, you have at least yeah. four guys in a room together. You know, if one of those guys has a PlayStation, like oh, I'd kick your ass in Halo, you know, or whatever. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to watch the movie together instead of watching it on yeah. a laptop. Everyone wants, would rather watch the movie on a big screen than watch it on their fucking laptop. So, I mean, it, yeah. you're right. There was a lot of camaraderie and there was a lot of things we did do together. Um, but I do think it's, it's just a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. But moving I mean, away from the be... living conditions and Internet, which we've talked about for 16 minutes now. <laughs> yes, we had Internet on deployment. War as hell. We talk um, about
1: movies and time and everything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all ties back. Um, food. You know, oh god, it can vary greatly. So, you know, when we yeah. were on Kandahar Airfield, you had basically large commercial-style dining facilities like cafeterias with mm-hmm. decent food, not decent amazing, food. decent. What you would expect at your high school cafeteria. That's how we ate in mm-hmm. on the big fobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kandahar had a boardwalk where you could get fast
1: food. Yeah, Iraq was where the good food was because KBR was running that shit. It's KBR was running in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, the food not rack was always really good, man. It was like uh, on the big fobs, anyways, which I spent half of that year on two different big fobs. And the, but the food at one of them was always so exceptional. And <laughs> stir fry lines and, and breakfast line and all this. Well, we won't go into
0: nonsense. my.
1: my dining experiences in 2017 like, yeah yeah we probably shouldn't because you'll have pro- some haters out there i'll have some, hate- I'll have <laughs> with some haters your- out there with my five-star chefs and on-demand yeah pizza, with your but- chef 24 7 at hand <laughs>
0: like i said we won't go into it but in general yeah. you could expect like high school cafeteria quality food on the fobs yeah. in general not good but not terrible
1: uh, but not good You know, and that's actually a point of contention I always had with uh, like kitchen. You know, he was always harping on health and things like that. And I'm sure he tried, but it's like, man, like you're gonna the military's gonna tell us all to be healthy, then they're gonna feed you a bunch of starches and carbs all the time. I mean, that's what you need to an extent. It is what you need, (laughs) but it's just like at some point, I wouldn't mind like a fresh banana, you know, or an apple. We had, but it's like, nope. Here's some uh, here's some mashed potatoes out of a box. And here's a strip, a strip of something that we're going to call uh, Stroganoff.
0: Well, now you're talking more – actually, I'm going to call you out on this one. You're talking more about stateside defects because stateside defects, like when you're at home sure. – is way worse than f- big fob defects in Afghanistan or Iraq.
1: No, yeah, 100%. For so, sure.
0: like, I think you're yeah. talking more about stateside defects, and I would agree <laughs> with you completely. But the fobs in Afghanistan, the food was decent.
1: It's fobs. The,
0: the fobs. fobs, the big fobs. Yeah, the, the big fobs. fobs. Um, like, better, like high school cafeteria or better.
1: Mm-hmm. What was now, the worst you ever had at food wise?
0: In Afghanistan?
1: Yeah, just over your deployments. Yeah.
0: Oh, um. Sorry, Hoxie, it's, it's Hoxie Chow. It's always <laughs>
1: it's always gonna be Hoxie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah spare one guard. Of the food was left much to be desired. Sometimes. Well, it went back. There's and only forth. so many times you can have shrimp scampi throughout the week. Right. <laughs> the,
0: the, it, it, here's how you know. Here's how you know when the food is bad. If you're like, you know, I'd rather have an M R E.
1: Yeah, when you start thinking, I'm gonna rat fuck the MRE to complement this right. this uh, strip of what was the like the the strip of beef in like the brown liquid. I don't know. And you you put it on mashed potatoes. You know that yeah. was that was the so, meal, uh, so that was the meal of, like four nights a week. Thanks, Oxy.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll work our <laughs> way back down to the cop food, but we're starting at the right. Fobs. Good food. Sure. You had lots of options. I can't hardly had like a. Um, American DFAC and a British DFAC and they had like different themes and you could go to the boardwalk, there was fast food, there was a TGI Fridays, you could eat good at the FOBs.
1: Yeah, um, this is why we, that's why our country went into eyeballs up to their uh, eyeballs in debt to fight these wars because of shit like that, but go on.
0: Wow, well, that's not the only reason we're in debt, but we'll not go down that road. Um,
1: <laughs> it's part of it. <laughs>
0: it's very small. It's sadly. A very small sadly, a very small portion. Um... All you veterans on that are retired, you're the reason we're in debt. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the uh, so yeah, you could eat good there, and then you, you had like so those are the massive fobs. Then you have like the regional fobs, so like Zangabad, Fob Wilson, Massamgar, and they had OKD facts. That's where I think you're back down to the quality of a stateside dining facility. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a lot of prepackaged food. It's just it's not cooked. It's like prepared, and there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about cooking something versus microwaving it or boiling mm-hmm. it in a bag. That's kind of where you're at. There, the meals are already made, you're just preparing them, mm-hmm. but they're okay. You know, there's their selection, they have bigger facilities, they can make more at once, so that it's usually fresh when you're eating it. They might have more like snacks and sodas and stuff like that. They're better stocked because they get more resupplies. So, generally. You eat pretty good at these big fobs, and it is the number one rule that if you are stationed on a combat outpost or smaller, and you visit a big fob, the first thing you do is raid the fuck out of their defac.
1: Yeah, raid the clean fuck out, out of the stuff, fridge of
0: all their sodas, get yeah, all their snacks, all the rippets. everything.
1: Yeah, it's just the rule. I didn't make it. Full it's of, just the rule. Uh, Miss Spunk Meyer muffins, wherever that brand was. Oh, and the Otis, the Otis cookies. Uh, Otis cookies, yeah. 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 Get the get the grape rippets. You know, mm-hmm. any rip it. Just, I mean,
0: really, just destroy it. You just, you just, you leave the diet coke and the diet sprite. Why those even <laughs> yeah. existed, I don't know, but um, yeah. if you could uh, find a Dr. Pepper, that was man, that was you gold. Find a Dr. Pepper, that was gold. Yeah, it was really that was rare. That's the good stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, these, these bigger fobs, the food wasn't amazing, it wasn't even that good, but it was, mm. you, there's more variety. You'd probably eat something that you hadn't eaten. You know, at your comp mm-hmm. in a while, uh, and the quality was just a little bit better. Then you get down to the cops. If the cop was lucky enough to have a dining facility,
1: yes, big if.
0: Big if. Then what you basically got was a even less refined version of what was at those medium fobs mm-hmm. and not much selection.
1: I mean, you got to remember this: this food you're consuming has to survive in a tin box in 120 degree heat. So you're off to a good start right there. Um, we had refrigerating
0: containers.
1: We did, yeah. yeah. But if you lived on a, you know, like a, a, fob, a cop without as much infrastructural support, then then you, you know, wouldn't you're, have that. Screwed, yeah.
0: Um. So I mean, we we ate okay. The food was decent at Coppsboro. In fact, I remember before yeah. we got there, it was known for having good food. Just because mm-hmm. it was so well built out, we ruined that. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, but I mean the reality is you can only order so many different things there's only so much room to store things there's only so many kinds of foods that you can store on such a remote outpost like you were saying so mm-hmm. it really comes down to things like shrimp scampi and every once in a while we'd have like steaks which were terrible yeah there's um, some bad you know, and it's just there's just not a lot of variety but hey yeah. it's hot you know we got <laughs> we got two hot we got, th- we, got th- we got three hot three. three we did get uh, three hot today
1: did we I can't remember was no, it it had two dinner?
0: hots, two hots.
1: Breakfast, dinner.
0: Yeah, breakfast and dinner, and then. But the the lunch was like sandwiches and stuff like that. They, were, they actually had food out there, so it wasn't it wasn't hot. If I yeah. remember correctly, I might be misremembering. Oh, yes, yeah,
1: that. many many bologna sandwiches is very waxy cheese. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So I mean, yeah. we we ate okay. Uh, yeah, was at okay. Bar. I mean,
1: it wasn't great, but considering the circumstances, it actually was okay. Um, now. The food, I mean, like I said, left much to be desired because you just get on this repetition thing. Um, When you're in real bad shape is when you're just eating MREs. Well,
0: there's one in between there, which we didn't have to worry about on either Mm. your deployment or actually your deployment. I don't know if you had to do it in Iraq. I think you did, actually. But I had to do it in 2017, ironically, Uh, Mermites.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what
0: what, what Mermites are is basically defect food to go. So they yeah. they cook it at the big fobs and the big facilities, and they put them in these plastic containers that are supposed to keep them warm, and they package them up. You know they're airtight, supposedly, and then they put them on a truck and they drive them out to you. And th- this is for like when you have a base that's close to a big fob, but don't, you don't have your own yeah. dining facilities. Um, and they'll usually, you're, if you're lucky, you'll get mermites once a day, uh, or maybe twice a day. So, if, in yeah. when you're in the field, mermites are great because, like, oh, hell yeah, they're going to bring us breakfast and they're going to bring us dinner in mermites and it's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, cause it's coming from the defac on post and they just do mm-hmm. respawn runs. But on deployment,
1: it's not quite as. Yeah, it's like, like, like that. it's been sitting in there for four or five hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was pretty bad. I mean, honestly, that, that fucking sucked. Um, yeah. Just because by the time the mermaids got to us, the food was cold, and it was always like the same thing. And there's like no way gray, to warm it up. swimming in liquid. Right. You can't warm it up, and you throw it on a plate, and that was pretty damn miserable uh, yeah. as far as eat, eating concerned. Now, one thing Daddy Ott did get us, he got us a, a, de- a designated cook and had us like this little screened-in porch thing that the cook had his little place on. And once we got him the food would have got better. And he was, and he was a really good cook. I, could, I wish I could remember this dude's name. He worked like a fucking dog, man. I'm talking 18 hour days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he just worked in that little kitchen all the time. And he would cook different things for us. And he ordered different stuff for us. Like he was great. He was a, he was a good dude, man. He's a cool guy. So we got, we got fuck uh, fortunate in that, in that regard for that last, you know, stint of that three months.
0: So you have gigantic fobs with good food. Medium-sized fobs with, eh, food. Cops with totally hit-or-miss food. Then you have Mermites if you're patrol bases and stuff like that. And And you got MREs. Then you got MREs. And we've talked about MREs on our uh, food podcast or uh, live episode. But, you know, MREs are a – Luke's like, I hate all MREs, always have, and never touch one again. But in reality, some of them are decent. They taste okay. Um, He's going to disagree. I don't even want to hear it. (laughs) I did not want to hear it.
1: Your opinion doesn't matter
0: because you're not open. You're, I got my
1: MRE anecdote.
0: Your mind, your mind is closed. Do you, you need to open your mind?
1: Well, oh, I've, I've tried. I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually tried one since I got out. And oh, it was really? Just as disgusting, as I remember. Well, yeah.
0: once you're out, I'll admit that. Once you're out, and there's, <laughs> there's no reason to eat one. They, they're terrible. Yeah. They're all terrible. I'll remember how
1: excited you are to try MREs when you, when you're in basic training? Oh yeah, and it was a big like, deal. Oh yeah, MREs. By the time you're done with basic training, you're like, fuck MREs.
0: There are some that are really good. Like I, honestly, to this day, that I would say they're good. Like the the ravioli is still good. Um, mm-hmm. The chili mac is still good. There's some that are still they're pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. They're not all good. It'd
1: be as good as like a mountain house meal. Would you pay? $10 which $10 is exactly
0: for. what they are. You know, they're yeah. they're mountain house mm-hmm. meals really. When they when they fuck them up was when they try to do things that you shouldn't do, like eggs. <laughs>
1: like Salisbury steak <laughs> or yeah, eggs.
0: I, I'm even fine with Salisbury steak, but eggs, you want to do an MRE of eggs? <sighs> Those Man, that disgusting. is gold, my friend. That is gross. <laughs> um, you know, tuna, like no one wants to do it. And that's ironically one of the better MREs because it has good snacks. Yeah. Oh, and, well, and that's the other thing is generally if it has a good entree, it has a bad snack. If it's a bad entree, it has a good snack.
1: What's the best uh, MRE you think you ever had in your time, man? You have that one MRE that stuck out that was just like really good for particular circumstances or whatever. We spent the past 15 minutes talking about the intricacies of food. That's true. Logistics on deployment. Yay. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: I would say, you know, consistently, if I'm going to pinch, I want something good that I can digest, it's always going to be the the ravioli because it's fast. It's always good. You can eat it cold and it's still good. But I would say my favorite Is if I have the time and I can prepare it the way I want to, is the the rib sandwich, the McRib.
1: But I'm talking about like an MRE, not not your favorite MRE, just a specific MRE that you ate that was the best when you ate. Oh, like one moment. Like the moment, yeah. Oh God, man. No, nothing stands out. So this is my MRE. This is this is my MRE anecdote, and this speaks to how much I loathe eating MREs. When we cleared the horn, this is a six day. Oh, operation. I remember this.
0: You didn't need MREs for four days,
1: and I didn't need MREs for three days. So I didn't eat anything except for, um, I think like the little power peanut bar things, and a couple of cliff bars and stuff like that for the first three days. And about the middle of that third day. I, uh, I I was getting so hungry that I just, when we took our midday sit in the shade-ish break uh, I warmed up an MRE and I couldn't even tell you what kind of MRE it was and I scarfed her down and, and that was actually a pretty good MRE because I was quite hungry because <laughs> you were famished <laughs> but that's how much I hated them. That I, was, I literally starved myself until I didn't have an option
0: to our audience that that is not the way to do it don't do that no,
1: don't it's be not a good idea <laughs> It's not yeah. a good idea, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, man, um okay, so we covered food, we covered living conditions, um kind of recreation, I mean there wasn't a yeah, whole there's lot not so much you can do and and, and again, that's one of the things. it does vary by the size of the fob. like at our combat outposts, like maybe we would have like team sports once a week or something, or you could go to the m w r and watch a movie or play a game, play some we poker nights. You know, poker night. Yeah, you know, watch thing. a movie in your room or play a video game. But it was very limited. You know, there's just not a lot of options. Yeah. So some of the bigger bases, they'll do like flag football leagues or salsa night. Or <laughs> um, I went
1: to a Vikram yoga class one time. Hot yoga, where the room's like 110 degrees. In Iraq. Yeah. Right? In oh Iraq, God. obviously. Yeah. Fucking it was a poke. smoker, man. I was wrecked. Fucking I was super poke. pokey. It was super <laughs> pokey. <laughs> Coming from the guy with uh, the five star chef on call twenty four seven. Hey, bro! So I don't want to hear the pogue accusation. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: at the time, I was a pogue. I do not reject that notion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but that was, um, yeah, that that's the kind of shit that used to be the used to be there for people.
0: And you know, they'll have like um, game. Like there was a cigar club on Kandahar. They had like they had, they had live music. That was like the army band would play live music on a couple nights. They would do. Um, Oh, if there was, like, a football game on, they'd play the game somewhere in the MWR. If you'd go check it out, video game tournaments in the MWR, you know, it just kind of depended where you were. But the MWR was always trying to put something on, you know, for soldiers to be able to, to enjoy their free time.
1: I wonder how much the employees at MWR made...
0: Well, the ones that were like, the ones that were deployed made more than the ones that weren't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm talking about the guys like the randos at the desk who like checked out the pool cues to you or whatever. I wonder how much those people were making just sitting there on their probably eyes.
0: seventy grand a year. I guess.
1: Yeah, I would guess. Yeah, interesting.
0: Probably right up you to the, still, the the tax limit, which is like seventy eight grand or something like that.
1: You can still get those jobs, some you know to an extent. You can float around the world, the Navy on the on the ship as an NWR dude.
0: I don't know if that sounds good or not. Yeah. I will tell you this. So one of the guys I went to Afghanistan with in 2017, he was prior Air Force. His job in the Air Force, I shit you not, was he worked at the MWR as an Air Force guy. He was a bartender. Mm-hmm. He was a bartender what? at the NWR in, I think it was Kuwait or Qatar. That was his job what? in the Air Force.
1: What? Yes. He started out as like a cook or something and he's kind of like graduated up in the bar. No, he,
0: he was like, like his job was like specific to like morale and stuff.
1: Oh, and like, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, it was some, I can't remember what the exact M- M- MOS was, but it was like his job was essentially to be like an MWR guy yeah, with the Air Force. Like,
1: that's like, hats off to that guy. That's like the ultimate pogey, just squishy, easy job.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's, uh so you, there was stuff to do. But then, you know, then there was the work. Um, And again, depending on your job, it looks differently. As an infantryman, you know, we at Spurring we had a rotation. It's like one day you're on QRF and you're in your clothes all the time, gears ready to go, on call the whole time. So all you have to do is grab a backpack, grab your rifle, go to your truck and get it ready and be off the fob in five minutes. You
1: you were a hyper-motivated PFC. Did you wear your boots to bed when you were on QRF?
0: Uh, at first, I did, but yeah. then I realized that I could. It took me thirty seconds to put my boots on. Yeah. Um. But I would pr- I would stage them so I'd make sure that they That's were staged, open right. and that the the tongue yeah. was open, and then all I had to do was like you know step into yeah. them, pull it, pull it tight, grab my backpack, grab my rifle, and go. Yeah. Because I mean, inevitably, it's so stupid to say, "Oh, you gotta wear your boots." It's like, okay, you're talking thirty seconds. I promise yeah. you, I will not be the last person out of this building. Because I, was, I never my wore my on. boots
1: to bed, and I was almost always one of the first people to the trip. Right? Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, that I mean, they told us that, but
1: yeah, bullshit. Yeah.
0: And the other thing is like, and it's just kind of like the great secret with QRF is when your enemy only fights during the day. Yeah. You know the likelihood of being called out on QRF once it gets dark is almost nothing. It was so I can't even remember any time it happened. Maybe once or twice. I think.
1: The only time I remember going out at night is when like the ALP or AMP or somebody got fucked up in the bazaar and we had to yes. go out there and, and help them out.
0: And maybe there was like one random like run that we had to make from like Zangabad to something or whatever, but it was it was yeah, rare like and it was that. never like life threatening. It's so, like typically once you made it to to nighttime, you could kind of relax a little bit.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> it's the exact opposite in Iraq. We always we QRF only always went out at night. Weird. Yeah, usually because some goat herder without walking next to Route Tampa and some general ones. that he was up. putting in a well, they were they weren't doing anything. They oh. were you know but they were so bored that they were like, let's go check it out. So the brigade commander, you know, spin up QRF and you'd shoot out there and it was well, it's just some dude herding goats.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so you'd have you'd have your QRF day and then you'd have uh what we would call our mounted day. Um so on mounted days we supported the dismounted missions by driving them wherever they needed to go. Or we just, did dis- we just did mounted patrols, which would be, you know, going to Zangabad to pick up the mail or going to Mazamgar to drop off a dog handler. Um, on occasion, we would do patrols on mounted day, like to go to check on the ALP or something like that. But it was always like a very short mission. Um, we were that, basically man? on call to help our, our dismounted patrol yeah. that day.
1: Yeah, which did happen.
0: Did happen, yep. And yeah. then, there were, then then there was your patrol day. And then whatever patrol day, you were going on a mission, and it was going to be dismounted, and it was going to be far, and it was a deliberately planned mission.
1: Yeah, usually movement to contact, like, you know, bells and whistles.
0: Right. So it was as a planned patrol on that third day. Uh, and that was kind of like what the work balance life was. You didn't get a day off, but a QRF mm-hmm. day was kind of a day off.
1: Yeah, it kind of was at that point for us and in that area
0: and and then yeah and the mounted days kind of were too once you were done with your mounted patrol and as long as yeah as long as there wasn't anybody outside the wire you could kind of relax but if you were qrf or on mounted day and there was a patrol on a dismounted patrol and they were still outside the wire no one ever really relaxed until they were back
1: everybody was back yeah yeah and then uh you have the the not infrequent disruption in that schedule you know a piece of intelligence comes down or a mission that a quickie mission gets spun up and you get pulled, your platoon gets pulled to do it or whatever. So I would say once every couple of weeks like that, that little three day rotation's getting a, a kink in the hose on it and you're getting, you're going on a, you know, 18 or 24 hour mission or whatever. Then you come back and, and you could get a kink for again.
0: other reasons too. Like we're going to do an awards ceremony or a general's yeah. visiting the base, or we need to do a run to Kandahar, which is a two day operation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we glory hounds is here or whatever. Like, there's always something weird that would interrupt it. But you know, those are the exceptions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily the rule. Um, it, it just what well, it. Uh, we probably spent 90 percent of that deployment on 98 percent of the deployment on Sperran or patrolling outside Sperran
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And I can think you know, two percent of the time was spent at Kandahar or Zangabad or Masumgar attending you know drills or rehearsals or, or whatnot mm-hmm. um for other jobs you know their their work-life balance is a little different they might have more of a 95 9 to 5 you know as a as a pilot i had a very strict 14 hour shift like i showed up at not a second before my shift mm-hmm. uh showed up on time i worked for 14 hours and then i was off for 10 hours and they couldn't touch me for 10 hours mm-hmm. you know it didn't matter the base could be overrun like Unless like you really, really, really are, we're like you know enemy Charlie's in the wire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No man can't touch me. I got flight hour requirements. So you know, but and most of the pokey jobs are kind of like that. They have a shift. They either have a a day shift or a night shift, and then they'll work twelve hour shifts, and they'll have the other twelve hours off, and they'll they'll go back and forth. You know, because they don't their mission. They don't have missions. They have they have yeah.
1: shifts. Yeah, yeah, and those jobs like I said vary depending on the nature of the job. Any yeah. kind of support person, you know, you're, you're going to have that long shift. If you're in like an officey job, it's probably going to be nine to five, eight hour shifts.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't, that's. I, don't, just,
1: I wouldn't know. I don't know, but never was a legal assistant or anything. So <laughs> and
0: yeah, it's it's very similar. I mean, you have you have people that work in the talk and they have to take mm-hmm. shifts. So you have people that are, you know, and then you have like leaders, like officers and NCOs and stuff like that that have ongoing responsibilities and they but they have to sleep too. So they just, you know, the XO and the commander and the sergeant major, they plan their shifts. So there's overlap, but somebody can sleep at some point. Um, but they're all pretty much always on call kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So. yeah. You, I would like to know how much sleep Captain Kitchen got in that nine months. <laughs> four probably hours not. a day, maybe. Yeah, probably four hours a day would be my guess.
0: That's probably yeah. all he would have allowed himself to sleep.
1: Um, he probably still only lets himself sleep four hours a day.
0: <laughs> I bet you Scott Collin got 12 hours of sleep every night. I bet he
1: got 16.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. what I mean, is there anything else about deployment life that we kind of missed out on? I mean, we covered food and housing and what we do in our free time. And, you know, the really? podcast I mean... has definitely exhibited what we do when we're working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's a lot of, just a lot of time, you know, it's a, it's weird. It's a weird way to break up a long stretch of time because in the real world, you know, you'll have a long weekend or you'll have vacation or you'll see a wide range of people. And, you know, like the, the most defining characteristic of being deployed, especially on a smaller base is like same people everywhere all the time. And so you, yeah. it, it's a totally different dynamic. And that's one of the reasons why you, you, Create such strong bonds is because you're living right on top of each other, on top of your work responsibilities. So it just creates an interesting little, little environment that's hard to replicate in the U.S. Unless you go to, you know, maybe if you worked in like a super yacht crew or, you know, like Leah's job when a she was a carrier Anster. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's something small and tight knit, kind of local people you see all the time. It's hard to replicate that environment. So. I mean, one it's thing that always stood out to me is the way the time passed.
0: You know, days yeah. were slow, but you know, weeks, weeks were flew fast, by. and yeah,
1: but uh, the months and, were slow. <laughs> it's weird.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, but then the other thing is like days of the week meant nothing. nothing. No, there was
1: no day of the week. There was mm-hmm. no holiday. It was. I just can't tell you how many times day. I'm like,
0: "What day of the week is it?" Like, and you'd have to <laughs> think about when you're calling people back home. Yeah, because you're like, "Oh man," if like call, it's Tuesday. They're oh, it's his Tuesday. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I can't stand at a nine and a half hour time difference. Yeah, it was yeah, so forget weird. About the half hour. Yeah, so weird. So like, you have to like work your if you want to stay in touch with the people you love back home, which some people didn't, and I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to talk to them, you had to do a lot of mental gymnastics. Be like, ah, I have <laughs> to go to the MWR between this and this time in order to catch my girlfriend or fiance or mother or brother mm-hmm. or whatever. And if you didn't go between that time, then you couldn't because either you had to be somewhere or they had to be somewhere. So it was very hard to, um I to did a lot out. of
1: Facebook messaging. Um, yep. I, th- I only actually called home cause one calling home was expensive. You know, you're talking you had to have a calling card. I forgot you Had You to have that. a that. calling card yeah. and you're paying however many cents a minute. But I usually called home once every two weeks and I'd probably, t- I usually talk to whoever I caught my mom or my dad, usually mom. Um, and we just chat for like an hour, and then I'd be done. Yeah. Uh, then I'd switch. In Afghanistan, I I couldn't bring myself to call home with frequency because of how shitty it was, and I wasn't gonna call him like, "Mom, it was terrible yesterday. My buddy got blown up." You know, I was just gonna be like, "Yeah, it's going. You know, things are kind of calming down." That was always my <laughs> that was always my line. Like, things are calming down. You know, it was, uh, it's
0: interesting. We mentioned calling. We didn't talk about it before. I mean, it was it was such a big part of our deployment. You know. A lot of people mm-hmm. used the phones. The pho- there were phone banks everywhere. Kandahar, mm-hmm. or Spermogar, tons of phones. And they were always full. In 2017, zero. Like, they didn't even have really? call centers anymore. Because everybody had Wi-Fi. And everybody FaceTime. had their cell phone. And they just do mm. VoIP calls. So I did all my calls over WhatsApp. Mm. Or Skype. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, I never, I didn't use a calling card or anything in 2017. But I used so many of them in 2012. Just in five years, that changed.
1: You know and you know maybe to close this out and as a final thought and uh following the line of talk conversation about dudes being isolated from each other but i kind of wonder it, like it'd be an interesting study to see psychologically if it's better for you to stay in consistent daily contact sometimes multiple times throughout the day with those that you love and or if it's better for you to have like that set time once a week for two hours that you talk you know That'd be an interesting to interesting thing to see. Like do you, pro- do you do you last better? Do you have more longevity? I will say I was you know, I was single and I didn't have any kids, so you know, I was just talking to my family my parents and uh like every once in a while I'll talk to my brother a little bit. But you know, I wasn't like, now as a married man, like I would be wanting to talk to him every day for sure. Well and and
0: I told my folks this on the second appointment. Um I said I will not be calling you every day. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to call you at a certain time of day. I will talk to you when I talk to you. And I don't think I called home very much at all on the second deployment. I matured a lot between the first and second deployment. Mm-hmm. I was, I called home a lot on the first one, uh, texted, emailed, hardly mm-hmm. anything on the second one. Um, It just, I I had a realization when I came back and when my mom was like, oh yeah, I knew something was wrong when we didn't hear from you for three days. I'm like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, it's not good. That is not good.
0: I was like, and Matt, yeah. like, cause we went on like week long missions. And unfortunately I told her I was going to be gone for a while for that week long mission. But mm-hmm. you know, that is such a burden to put on people back home to call it them is, every yeah. single day. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, and there were so many things that could prevent you from calling that next day. What if yeah. there's a casualty on the base, they black out all the comms. There mm-hmm. could be a solar flare that knocks out the internet and the last thing you want is them to not hear from you when they were supposed to hear from you. And then they look on the mm-hmm. TV and heard there was a suicide bombing in Afghanistan. Like,
1: yeah, it could be. Yeah, you know, I mean, it could be. Uh, thirteen hundred. They're just getting out of bed, you know. And you're And you're getting spun up for an operation that night. And you're eating lunch. Your PCCs, PCIs, prepping the trucks, eating dinner, grabbing a, a half an hour of sleep, and then you're getting on the trucks and you're going and you're gone for eighteen hours you know. Right, and, and, and they shouldn't there going, be trying why to haven't squeeze they a phone me? call in there, you know. Like, yeah, why haven't they called me in this evening time when they're, when they're so busy? Right. So yeah, it'd be good to kind of like set that expectation when you go like just because you doesn't, have, you know, no news is good news basically, first of all. Right. And just because we don't talk every day doesn't mean things are bad, you know. Right.
0: Hmm. And uh yeah, that, that I think it was a big difference, that was a big change for me. And I think if I deployed a third time, it would have gotten even worse. Just yeah. mean like, hey, like, I have a job to do. And I think it just can't come with maturity. You know, the first one is yeah. your first deployment. You're excited and you want to share it and you want to stay in contact. And, mm-hmm. But I think once I, you...
1: i say my first deployment, I probably called home. At the beginning of the deployment, I was definitely calling home like once every week. Um, mm-hmm. Then, it, but I said a lot of Facebook messaging. Mm-hmm. By the end of that deployment, I was probably doing my two-week thing. And then by the time I deployed to Afghanistan, I kind of made that my standard. But yeah. we had the fortunate aspect of internet and email so if we really wanted to communicate email was my primary basis, email was yeah. my primary um, i used i used actually had facebook for for both deployments yeah i was an early adopter of facebook and an early getting rid of her of facebook <laughs>
0: um so if i think it's you know summarize kind of what you new know, deployment life was is and what it will be i mean it's not as hard as people think it is. Um, there are mm-hmm. certain deployments where it will be. I mean, there you know, the Canadians were living out of their labs for a while. And, you know, the early days of Afghanistan, they were living out of their trucks like, uh, like Morgan was telling us. I mean, there were times mm-hmm. when it was austere and it was hard. But those mm-hmm. periods of time are always transitory. You know, yeah. either the deployment itself is transitory and then we leave the country and never come back. Or we stay long enough to build the infrastructure and they can get kind of administrative and comfortable. Yeah. You know. Going forward, I think, you know, the way that our army is developing and the way that technology is developing, I don't, I don't see future deployments being much different. Uh, unless, no, the you know, next, we the get next one's gonna, or something, you know. Yeah.
1: The next one's going to be live streamed, man. Their kids are going to be putting it on TikTok while they're fighting the Russians in Ukraine.
0: <laughs> and, and that's a real concern. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a real issue that the military is dealing you know, with. Do you know that if you are a soldier in the U.S. military, it's illegal for you to have TikTok on your phone?
1: Probably should be considering the Chinese government
0: owns it. It's hundred percent why, but it's not yeah. only it's it's that partially, but also because it's so instantaneous, it's an and yeah. it's so much opsec, um, and it shares so much data. Even if the government doesn't get <coughs> it, it's just there's so much data involved with it. Same thing with like smart weird, watches. Uh, yeah, like the like fitness watches, like a Fitbit. Those are banned too because <laughs> somebody ha- like went into Fitbit and found all these little circles. In Syria, yeah, and when they zoomed in, these are circles in the middle of the desert. Like, why are there circles here? And their bases, where special forces were, where they were running circles around LZs for exercise.
1: Oh man, well, that's a great way to! Oh my god, handed them a, a target package. You know, one hundred percent the parameter You know, you know what's in there. This is where the all the heart rates heart rates are increasing in this one building. That's the gym. Let's drop a bomb on it. Right, <laughs> get the I, most motivated and fit soldiers that way. <laughs>
0: So, uh, yeah, it's it's wild, man, and how technology takes over these experiences and, you know, obviously there's the other side of the coin, and I know, like, guys that were in the Korengal and guys were in the high mountains, and you lived on these, you know, platoon-sized patrol bases, and you didn't have all this stuff, but when you rotated back, you did, and Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty safe to say that these days, deployment, for the most
1: part, is fairly comfortable, Mm -hmm. but the work is very hard. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's, that's the thing I always tell people when they ask me about joining any branch of the military, um, no matter what branch it is, when, when they're kind of like, well, you know, I thought about joining or I want to join, but I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, well, I said, there's, you know, it doesn't matter what you want to do. There's one thing that's guaranteed, almost guaranteed, depending on the job. So you're going to work. Like, yep. it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like you're going to work and you're going to work a lot because they're going to get everything they can out of they're you. Gonna get, they're so, getting every
0: minute out of you. So yeah. For those watching, and if you get the chance to deploy again, enjoy all the luxuries that you have, enjoy the opportunities, enjoy the free time, write a book, you know, write a screenplay, read a book,
1: um, or just, or just put it on Instagram and put it on Instagram that has like 150,000 followers and make your money (laughs) off of that.
0: Plow, plow through your favorite TV show, play all the Halo games back to back. Do you enjoy it? Because when you step outside the wire, you know, that could be, that could be the last thing you ever do. So enjoy it for what you can. Yeah, indeed. All right, that concludes another bonus episode of the Panjoy Podcast. Remember, the season three starts January third, twenty twenty two, and we're trying to get to fifty k downloads before then. So, once you uh, listen to this one, just go ahead and download the rest of the archive one more time, just for just for good measure. <laughs>